This is the day that the Lord has made. We ought to rejoice and be glad in it. David said that I will bless the Lord at all times. That his praise shall continually be in my mouth. That my soul shall make her boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. And then as David was speaking, it seems like he wanted to move from singularity to using everybody, and then he says, oh, magnify the Lord with me. I know I'm not at White Oak Spring, but that's your part. Oh, magnify the Lord with me, and let us exalt his name together. David goes on to say, I sought the Lord, and he heard me, and he delivered me from all my fears. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. He says, blessed is the man that trusts in him. Anybody trust God this morning? Amen. I am so grateful to be here. My name is Jason Haynes. I serve at the White Oak Spring Church in the city, uh, not far from you here. Uh, I'm so thankful to uh, Pastor Seth for his hospitality and you all, the members and the leadership here at the River Hills Church today. Um, So thankful for my friend Chip. Chip and I have become good friends over the past year and a half. So we meet uh, sometimes monthly, sometimes quarterly, where we just have breakfast together, pray with each other, and uh, encourage each other in ministry. Uh, I don't know this, but maybe you all can tell me, how old is River Hills Church? Ten years old, ten years old. So this is a great fellowship because I lead a church that's 145 years old. So thank God for you and thank God for your witness Uh, My friendship with Chip today may be in jeopardy that he now is learning. He's up to preach right now at White Oak Springs, so maybe he's now wondering what he has done. However, 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 I'll remind him the next time we meet this was his idea. I'm I'm thankful to be here with you all, thankful to be here with you all today so we can uh, rush to our sermon. If you will, turn in your Bibles to me to Acts chapter 4. We'll begin the reading of the text in verse 32. And by the way of introduction again, I, I didn't do this this morning. I feel terrible to do. My wife and children are here with me, and so I want, uh, she can wave her hand. My wife, Quantricia, is here, and, and two of our children are here with us, Minor and Anderson. And you can wave your hand too, sirs, if you want to, Minor and Anderson. As you can see, they are very excited to be here this morning. Our other children, our, our three other children, uh, are are with their big were big brothers at home, so they're with him today. If you will, Acts chapter four, verse thirty-two, we'll begin our reading, and we'll read through this thirty-seventh verse. I'm reading from the English Standard Version, so herein the Word of God reads: Now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul. No one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own, but they had everything in common. And with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. Great grace was upon them all. There was not a needy person among them. For as many as were owners of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds, of what was sold and laid it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to each as any had need. 
thus Joseph, who was also called by the apostles Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, a Levite, a native of Cyprus, sold a field that belonged to him, brought the money, and laid it at the apostles' feet. If you would allow me today, I want to tag a sermonic title to this text, would be simply this, together for the gospel. Together for the gospel. There, there is a place, people of God, a place that is a glorious place, a wondrous place where people every now and then go to celebrate. They commemorate this time and message in this place that draws out all kinds of people to this place. does not matter what your ethnic background, your social economic background is. Many people go to reconnect to friends that they haven't seen in a long time. Some go to forge new friendships. In this place, there are leaders, there are laity, there are those in professional jobs, there are those who have regular jobs. It's a great place. The sun shines in this place every single day while they're there. This place, this most beautiful place, is Louisville, Kentucky. I know somebody had in their head already that this is Hawaii or Maui or Tahiti or somewhere nice like that or maybe even the mountains of North Georgia, maybe even places in Tennessee. But it's a beautiful place because every two years in this place, four friends got together, R. Albert Moeller, Mark Dever, J. Ligon Duncan, and C.J. Mahaney. Four friends came and they started a conference, strangely enough, called Together for the Gospel. Mahaney and, and the others come from different backgrounds. They're pastors. One is a seminary leader. One is a pastor and a professor in a seminary. But they came together even though they had differences. They came together because they affirmed some things that were the same. The affirmations were in the gospel. They affirmed the sufficiency of scripture. They affirmed the person and the work of Jesus Christ. They affirmed these things, and so they came together to say that we don't look at our differences. We look at what brings us together. And I come here to let you know this morning, church, that it matters not how old your church is. It matters not how young you are. It matters not how long your hair is, how much hair you may not have. That because we love Jesus Christ, we are together. And we are linked together by more things than, than we realize. And particularly, I'm going to show you this morning, right from the text, the things that makes us together. So if you would, let me walk around in the text just a little bit this morning. And I will show you some things in this text that shows how together we are. First and foremost, in the text, we see that Acts is a narrative text that tells us in chapter 2, that the people had already came together. That at the preaching of the gospel of Peter on the day of Pentecost, the people were already together. And if you look at verse two, uh, chapter 2, verse 44, it says in that text already that it makes an emphatic statement that they all who believed were together and had all things in common, and they were selling their possessions and their belongings, distributing the proceeds, to as many had need. He already makes this statement. Now he makes it two chapters later, the very same statement. He says, now the full number of disciples who believed were of one heart and one soul. Come to let you know this morning that, first of all, our togetherness 
is brought together. We are together because we are accompanied through unity. We are together, people of God, because we believe the same thing. We believe that Jesus Christ was born of a virgin mother. We believe that he lived a sinless life. We believe that he took that sinless life, gave it as a substitutionary atonement for you and I, and then he, if you will, laid your sin, past, present, and future, on the cross, and then he died for us. But here is the good news of our faith, that we serve a Savior who died, but he's not dead died, but he's not dead. And so we serve a Savior who died. And so we believe the same thing. And because we believe the same thing, now you and I have one heart and one soul. I know we all look different, but we have one heart and one soul because of what we believe. So we are all together. This actual statement came from an old Jewish statement. God God in in, in Deuteronomy chapter 6 told the people that you shall love me with all your heart, all your mind, and all your soul. And when you come into the family of God in Jesus Christ, we have one heart and one soul. Our unity is also radically ratified in this text where he says, no one said that anything was their own. Can you imagine being in the church when you drive up to the church and you hand your car keys over to your church members and says you do what you will with it because this is not my car. It is our car. That's what was going on in Texas. It says that all of them, things that they belonged to him were not his own, but they had everything in common. So togetherness is accomplished through unity, but togetherness is also accomplished, people of God, when we have a reception of the gospel. Look at verse 33. It says, and with great power the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and grace was upon them all. Can you see it like I can see it? It says the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Can you see these apostles? Can can you see Thomas who said, I doubt that he has risen from the dead. I I have to see him for myself. And then Jesus shows him his nail-scarred hand. He shows him the scar in his side. And Thomas says, now I can proclaim loudly that I no longer doubt, but I See Jesus in for myself. Can't you see Matthew, the tax collector? He says, I was an egregious sinner. I defrauded my own people. But one day, this same Jesus invited me into the family. He says, follow me. And even a person like me is in the gospel. And now I know he's rose from the dead. And here is my testimony of his resurrection. Can't you see John, who was the only one of the twelve? At the foot of the cross. Can't you see when Jesus leans down and he says, son, behold your mother and mother, behold your son. And then he breathed his last. And when John saw the resurrected Christ, I remember when he died. And this is my story. He took his last breath, but he's now standing before me, urging me on. This is my resurrection story. But can't you see even greater Peter? Who Jesus said, you will deny me. Peter says, not I, Lord. And he 
several times says, I will never leave you. And then Peter, after the crock crowed, the Bible says he wept bitterly. And can't you see Peter somewhere walking on a road three days later, still tears in his eyes. And Jesus tells the women, go tell my disciples and Peter. And so even Peter now has been given a story of the, resurre- of the resurrection. I denied everything about who he was, and here is my story. He took me back in after I denied him. I want to ask a question. Have you ever denied your Lord? But he has taken you back. So togetherness happens not only because of our unity that's accomplished. Togetherness happens at the reception of the gospel But also togetherness happens as a result of the community's needs being met. Look at the text, if you will. Look in verse 34, it says, there was not a needy person among them. For as many were owners of lands and houses, sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold, laid it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed as needed. I'm so grateful when I walked into the River Hills Church to see that even in River Hills, we understand that concept because we are gathering goods to serve somebody else on Thanksgiving Day. That's what the church was doing. But they were not just going out and buying food. They were taking the stuff that was their own. They were taking their houses, their land, selling it and taking the proceeds giving it for somebody else. That is our unity, that nothing is our own, that everything that we own is of the Lord. I am reminded of the psalm that says, The earth is the Lord and the fullness thereof, the world and they which dwell therein. Then it says, Lift up your heads, O ye gates. Be ye lifted up, ye everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. Togetherness results in the community's needs being met. I am so glad that I am in a community where there are churches willing to work together to support the needs of the community because if we support the needs of the community, there will be people saved in this community. Finally, I want to share to you on today that togetherness happens when togetherness is fulfilled, when one gives everything for the many. If you will, go with me to the very last two verses. Verse 36, 37 says, Then Joseph, who was also called by the apostles Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, a Levite, a native of Cyprus, sold a field that belonged to him, brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. I want to tell you kind of two things. Before we Look at what Joseph did. Let's take a look at who he is. Bible says Joseph, who was a Levite, a native of Cyprus. Joseph is a Jew, but he was not from Palestine. He was raised in an African island country of Cyprus. He is not only a Jew, he is also a Levite. He is of the class of priests that actually took care of both uh, the temple worship items and also places in the synagogue. He is one who, in his very life's nature, is to take care of the house of God. 
And if you know your Old Testament in Deuteronomy, there was, and in Leviticus, there was no, nothing that Levites, when they crossed over into the promised land, they were to be taken care of by the people. They were to not own anything. And so it left me scratching my head. How in the world did this man who was a Levite have his own land? Well, I'm glad you asked the question. Because I think somebody probably gave it to him. And because somebody gave it to him, I think Joseph realizes that if somebody gave me this land, it was never mine in the first place. And I can imagine Joseph living in a place like the way we are now, somewhere like a place like Highway 53 in Winder, Georgia, somewhere where people from Gwinnett County and Hall County and Clark County are moving to, and they bought the land when it was next to nothing, and now it has appreciated because so many people are moving into this territory. He didn't give them the purchase price. He gave them the appraised value so somebody else who had needs could be met. He's a Levite. He's from Cyprus. But he also has an endearing name given to him by the apostles. They call him Barnabas. He is the son of encouragement. What that means is that anytime somebody is down, Barnabas had the strength to let them know that life has an up for you. If there anybody here who's had times in your life, whether it be your personal life, your marriage, your children, or had things where you had job issues, money issues, but somebody in your life was always there to encourage you and say life will get better. Let me kind of paint a picture for you so you see that even in your midnight hours, I tell people all the time, look in the midnight of your life and find the moon. For if the moon is shining, you can wipe away your tears because what that means is that the moon, which is not a luminary, it is a reflective agent. It means the sun is still shining. So if the moon is shining, even in your life and when it's dark, that means sometime the sun is going to rise again in your life. The Bible says weeping may endure for a night. But joy comes in the morning. Let me give you some encouragement this morning, people of God. Midnight only lasts for one minute. That once the clock strikes 12.01, it's the morning. So togetherness happens. Finally, though, I want to show you because this one man took the best that he had and gave it for all. I was hoping, like the crowd at White Oak Spring, you would shout for joy when I said that. Maybe I need to say it again and press uh, pause on the DVR and back up. One man gave everything he had for all. So Joseph shows us a picture of what Jesus already did. That he came down through 40 and two wretched generations 
lived a life of a sinless beggar, took that very life that was able to fulfill the law of God, and he took that life and then turned it over as an able sacrifice for you and I. When he turned his life over, he nailed your sins and my sins to the cross, died on the cross, and then gave up the ghost, was buried in Joseph's tomb. And then early Sunday morning, he took that very life and gave us new life in the resurrection. One man gave everything he had for all. Let us pray. Lord, we come today to say thank you for our unity. That, Lord, it does not matter where we are from. It does not matter what we have done. It does not matter who we think we are. But because you are our Savior, you have bound us together in your blood. It is the Apostle Paul who tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 27, that you are the body of Christ. And Lord, I thank you that it does not matter what we appear to be down in this earth, that even though we can have churches on every corner because of Jesus Christ, We are one. For, Lord, we have one Lord, one faith, and one baptism. And, Lord, to that one we say now unto him who is able to keep us from stumbling and to present us blameless before his glory with exceeding joy. To the only wise God, be glory, be majesty, be dominion and authority, both now, henceforth, and forever. And may all God's children say, Amen.